facilitate the Zoom portion of this morning's hybrid meeting. Today's meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. For those who are joining the meeting via Zoom, please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not actively speaking to help minimize distractions. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please also keep your video off. For those who are actively participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. We also ask that everyone state their name each time they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. And with that, I'll turn the meeting over to Historic Resources uh, Administrator, Lynn Braddock-Zolner. Good morning, everyone. Uh, just wanted to do a few housekeeping rules. We want this to be as interactive as possible. So if you have questions anytime that we're going through this, don't hesitate to, um, we have to raise our hand now because we're doing Zoom too, but don't hesitate to stop me and ask questions as we go along. I know it's kind of a lot of information to wait till the end. So if you have questions as we go along, just let me know. Um, that applies to Zoom meeting um, participants also. Avery will be watching to see if you have questions online as we go forward um, so that we can get this as easily as possible. I know sometimes code language can be fun. And so want to make sure um, one of the goals of this new chapter was to make it more user friendly and to have language in it that was easily understandable. So um, looking toward that goal, um, looking forward to you. If you have any questions, just stop me throughout the process and I'll be happy to try to answer those. So I don't know if you had a chance to read in the paper or if you saw our press release, but we are working on a total rewrite of chapter 22 of the city code. Um, it's the conservation of historic resources code. Um, if, it's been around for a little while and we realized that there were changing circumstances in the city. Our growth and development has changed. How we look at things has changed. There have been new um, advancements in preservation and the way that um, we preserve properties and the National Register of Historic Places has changed some of their um, procedures and so the new code would reflect all of those changes and hopefully make a more clear and concise document um, for the public to use. So really I was just going to keep this brief and kind of go over some of the high points of the changes in the document. There's a summary document online if you want to look at all the like one of them is changed publicizing to promotion and FNG. I'm not going to go through those. Um, unless you want me to. And then if you have questions, I'll be happy to do that. Um, a couple of... Sorry, this is Avery Corner Planning Staff. Uh, John is raising his hand via Zoom. Wanna... Uh, John, if you want to unmute and ask your question. Yes, uh, this is Mr. Adams. Uh, I had just had a origin. Where did the request to revise the... Uh, Chapter 22 come originate? Where did it come from? In the original Chapter 22, the code was to be reviewed every five years for changes that would be necessary to keep it current. Um, that code review had not taken place in several years, and the Historic Resources Commission um, was going through their um, job duties and saw that that really that needed to take place. And when we looked at the existing chapter, 
Um, there were more than just a few red line items that needed to be addressed. And so the commission um, directed staff to start the rewrite of the chapter. And that's been um, about 10 years ago when they started this process. And we've been going through the process till we can get to this public hearing. Thank you very much. I, that's what I wanted to come to is if this originated from the commission itself. And you answered that, thank you. Sure. So the one of the big things that you notice right away is that all the definitions were at the beginning of the chapter. And we took those definitions out of the beginning of the chapter and moved them to a terminology section, definition section at the end of the chapter. So you didn't have to wade through all of those um, definitions before you could actually get to the meat of the chapter. So all those definitions and the definitions on several things have been updated um, to reflect current um, definitions of words that we use. So all of those definitions have been moved to the end of the chapter. Um, Article 2 changed the formatting and worked on bringing the code language up to date. Um, our legal department had a lot to do with this section of the code. It speaks to term limits for the commissioners. Um, the officers, subcommittees, bylaws are all found in this section. Um, it changed language to maintain and underlying each designation. Um, it was to be more concise. Um, let's see. It added language to include subdivision and proposed development projects and include context area. It removed the 10-day language um, for the requirement to review projects. Um, it added that projects must go to HRC before BZA and Planning Commission. This has been a challenge for us in the past when it's a project that has multiple components and who goes first to try to make sure it's the best for the applicant to not hold them up in their process by getting to like the Board of Zoning Appeals and the Board of Zoning Appeals saying, yes, you know, you need to go to historic resources. We don't want to hear this until you've gotten that approval. Same with the Planning Commission. Um, they would get to the Planning Commission and the Planning Commission would say, we want to know what the Historic Resources Commission thinks about this. So this way it sets it up that projects go to HRC first so they can get that design element um, taken care of before they get to the land use element. Um, another duty that was changed in the um, this section of the code was previously there was a um, recognition program by the Historic Resources Commission to recognize property owners that had done um, good jobs um, in the past year. Um, one of the commission's thought was that this was a, something that was better left to a nonprofit organization and that the commission should not be um, giving out awards for people who are doing good preservation work. Um, that that's something that really should be done by a nonprofit. And I believe Lawrence Preservation Alliance does do that.
Another added um, portion for the duties of the Historic Resources Commission was to allow the Historic Resources Administrator the ability to um, approve certain projects for certificate of approval. The name of certificate of appropriateness changed to certificate of approval to better reflect um, our building code um, language. So the Historic Resources Administrator would be able to approve projects administratively um, based on a list that the commission would come up with. Um, the survey chapter in Article 3 changed a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, it really, it just changed the language um, to be more um, inclusive and to better reflect what the State Historic Preservation Office does. Um, Article 4 um, took out, when it was looking at landmarking properties, it took out key contributing when you're dividing um, a historic district or historic properties for the purpose of review. Um, the National Park Service never longer uses key contributing, so that was removed for historic districts. You will just be contributing or non-contributing. Um, one of the big fun parts of this chapter that we love in this article is um, the existing article actually lists out every single property that is in the Lawrence Register and historic districts in this section. And so now those will be incorporated by reference so we don't have to update the chapter every time or every two years when we do an update to the code. So now that's incorporated by reference and we don't have to worry about changing this section of the code. Um, for historic districts and um, currently the chapter has um, a sliding scale of how many property owners you have to have consent for historic district nomination. This was changed to a flat 51% um, of property owner support for historic district and that is in line with the National Register of Historic Places, um, way they do in the State Historic Preservation Office, the way they look at historic districts. So it was to align better with what is on a national and state level. Um, Article 4 also added a pre-submittal requirement for projects, and this is to hopefully um, get developers and property owners that first step into looking at their project so that there's no delay when they actually apply for the project. Um, currently in the code, there's no identification of what um, a property owner or developer or applicant must turn in with their application for the review. So this section includes um, the things that would need to be included with your nomination for um, consideration on Lawrence Register of Historic Places. Um, it removed a requirement for public hearing within 45 to 60 days and changed it to public hearing cannot be held prior to 30 days. And that was to reflect the timeframe that we have to get our public meetings set up and make sure 
that we have something that can get to the public in a timely manner, but it's not restricted to that 40 to 60 day window. For the criteria for designation for local landmarks, um, that was changed to be consistent with the National Register of Historic Places designation criteria. Um, it, the new article also added the legal process for public hearing before the governing body and put that as part of this section of the code so that that would be easily or readily available to people who are looking at the code for procedures. Um, it added a 14-day requirement for protest re, um, petitions from the recommendation by the HRC. This was not outlined in the existing chapter, and so now um, that 14-day requirement is listed, and that 14-day requirement is consistent with other um, development projects and the protest petition for those. It removed the 50-year criteria for highly significant and added the survey of the HRA and two other preservation um, specialists to determine highly significant. And it also um, added that the proposed structure must meet the criteria for the National Register of Historic Places um, but as determined by the SHPO to be declared highly significant. And that highly significant is if a property um, were to be nominated over the owner's um, objection. It added an amendment and recession of nomination to the article. Um, the recession must be by two-thirds vote of the HRC and a supermajority of the governing body. Article 5 is the certificate. Does anybody have any questions? Okay. I didn't have a question, but well, I guess I do have a question. And this goes back to I can. Thank you very much. So um going back to the comment that you made about the HRC receiving um or taking the first step. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm just wondering, um, have we looked at the dates, you know, for submittal? Um, is are we making it clear, or is it possible for someone to um, submit their request to the Planning Commission or the Board of Zoning Appeals and have it pending, um, so that they don't have to wait until the um, historic resources meeting is over before they can take that next step? We do, it would allow for concurrent applications, but that public hearing and determination would need to take place before the Planning Commission or the Board of Zoning Appeals. So that public meeting and the HRC determination would need to come before those other bodies heard. And the reason for that is to not get to the Planning Commission and have them- No, 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 that makes a lot of sense. I just hope that it's clear that they can be concurrent um, applications. Yes, they can be concurrent and um, staff can be reviewing the planning commission component of it while historic resources staff is reviewing 
the historic resources part of it. So those meetings, the HRC actually meets the week before the planning commission. Right. So you could have the HRC meeting and then have the planning commission meeting um, the next week. And that's probably also true for Board of Zoning Appeals. Board of Zoning Appeals is the first, first Thursday of the month. Right. So it would be, there would be a little lag time before you could do that. Thank you. So I think I mentioned this earlier that um, one of the big changes is certificate of approvals instead of a certificate of appropriateness. So you'll see that change throughout the chapter. Also a really big thing, um, probably one that's the biggest change in the code is the environs component goes away um, for the review of properties within 250 feet of properties listed in the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. Um, to replace that is a context area review. Context area reviews are within 250 feet of a property. Um, they are only for projects that are visible from the public right-of-way, and they will all be done at an administrative level by staff and can be approved at a staff level unless they don't meet the standards. And in that case, they would go to the Historic Resources Commission. Um, this would better help um, projects stay on a more timely um, process and would create a process where there's not further delay having to wait for that HRC meeting. Um, the standards and guidelines are also um, separated. There's a difference in the guidelines for listed properties or properties in historic districts. Those would be the Secretary of the Interior standards. And then there's a separate set of guidelines for the context areas. And those are spelled out. I know in the past there have been some concerns um, that there weren't specific guidelines. And so now there's specific guidelines and standards in this section of the code. Um, another big change, which um, will hopefully help people going through the process, is right now the Historic Resources Commission has to say yes or no. They don't have the ability to say, okay, yes, with these conditions. So if they have to say, if there are conditions, then the applicant has to come back to the Historic Resources Commission for final approval. This would allow the Historic Resources Commission to approve projects with conditions. And then when those conditions are met, staff could sign off on the approved project so that the applicant does not have to go back to the Historic Resources Commission. Um, in the standards of review, um, as I mentioned, the um, Secretary of the Interior Standards are now for the designated historic properties, and that's in line with the state historic preservation law. There was some change in language to reduce redundancy in other parts of the chapter. Um, 
There was language in there about the adoption of design criteria. And that was language left from the original ordinance. Um, so now the design criteria is incorporated into the chapter. Um, again, those context area projects are only for projects viewed from the public right of way. There were some changes in the actual design standards. Um, actually, the standards are the Secretary of the Interior standards and the standards that are listed for context area, but they're also guidelines. And these guidelines have new drawings and have more specific information um, based on whether or not it's a listed property or whether it's in the context area. It did add review for demolition, relocation, and land surface changes um, to add exceptions and to separate out of context areas. Um, it added that demolition of primary structures in the context area will be evaluated by the HRA or HRC for integrity. And if they don't contribute to the context area, then the demolition can be approved um, as long as there's a replacement structure proposed. Article six is for um, economic hardship. Um, this chapter didn't change that much except for in the estimate of, it did change some of the um, necessary documentation to make it a little bit easier for applicants that need to use this section of the code. Um, it added that a licensed contractor should do the estimate. It added a minimum five years experience for the report of a structural soundness and demolition feasibility. It removed itemized operating and maintenance expenses and depreciation deduction and annual cash flow language. Um, it removed remaining balance on any mortgage for the previous two years. It added a statement from the SHPO that the subject property is not eligible for pre historic preservation financial incentives. This one also added conditional approval. Any questions? Okay, Article 7. Let me catch up to my. Um, Article 7 is, establishes public hearings. And so that has not changed, but it is. Um, Clearly written in the language is more concise as to the burden of proof, the standards of review, and the scope of work. Um, it does talk about the conduct of public hearing general rules so that all that information is included in the code so that there's no concern or question about how the um, public hearings will take place. Article eight is about property owned by public agencies. This chapter or this article hasn't changed that much. It pretty much reflects the way that we've actually done projects within the city. 
It speaks to public right of way and buildings and property owned by the city um, that they should go through the same review process when they have projects um, that a, a typical person would go through. Right now, that's not codified, and but I will say that it has been an excellent working experience working with our MSO and our Parks and Rec Department. They almost always, when they have a project coming up, um, will call and get um, initial review comments, and that is taken into consideration when they do those projects. So this really just outlines that, pro that process that's really already taken place. Um, article 9 is to have a historic resources administrator on staff. This article did not change um, substantially. It did change the experience requirement from two to five years. Um, it changed um, the city commission language to governing body. That's a change that's throughout the chapter. And it added one of the duties um, of the HRA would be reviewing and approving certain applications for certificate of approval as determined and delegated by the HRC. Article 10 is incentives and easements. Um, this language did not change. Um, there wasn't a lot of change in this article either. It did change the language and preservation easements to include um, the acquisition of national or state registered properties. Um, Article 11 in the existing chapter was um, fees, and that article has been replaced with emergency procedures. Um, this chapter does not recommend fees for, um, currently we do not have fees for certificates of appropriateness. The only fees that are associated with historic resources are the nomination of individual properties, which is currently $10.00 and the nomination of a historic district was $50. This chapter would propose taking those fees away um, since they're nominal. So Article 11 is now emergency procedures. There was no mechanism in the existing code for um, emergency situations where if there was something that needed to be demolished because of health and safety concerns, that it didn't have to wait till the next Historic Resources Commission meeting. Um, we did have a situation over in the Pinckney neighborhood where a sinkhole developed and there was it was um, in a context or environs area and there was no way for the city to approve the demolition of that garage structure um, without going to the HRC. So this sets up emergency procedures where um, situations like that, it could be at a staff level um, if certain criteria are met. Chapter 12 or Article 12 is minimum maintenance requirements. Um, this chapter at, or article has changed significantly. 
and added the um, things that would be considered deteriorated or inadequate. And that list is in the chapter. It includes things like the foundation, floor supports, uh, members of walls, partitions of other vertical supports, structural members of ceilings and roofs, fireplaces or chimneys that bulge or settle, and the lack of weather protect protection that jeopardizes the structural integrity. This sets up that if one of those items has been found to be um, in in um, existence that they would come to the Historic Resources Commission for review and the commission could work with the uh, owner applicant um, to um, remedy those items that were in um, conflict with the minimum maintenance standards. Then Article 13, um, the only change there was the criminal action was changed to municipal offense. And then, as I mentioned, Article 14 is now definitions. So that is a summary of the changes to the chapter. Um, I'd be happy to try to answer any questions that you might have, or if you have public comment on the chapter, we want to receive as much information from the public we can. Are these good changes? Are there changes we need to be looking at for this chapter as it goes through the process? What items does this chapter address? Which items does it not address? Um, we're really trying to seek that public input um, to hear what you think is important as we review this chapter. Yeah, can you come to the mic? Lynn, earlier in your presentation, you talked about something materials or things that people need to bring when they apply. I think it was this, uh, in the earlier part of this presentation. And I thought maybe you could elaborate about what that looks like. Right. For um, That was speaking to landmark nominations. And so for landmark nominations, currently all you have to have is the legal description and the property ownership list mm -hmm. um, within 250 feet. This would change those requirements for listing in the Lawrence Register to include property history, um, architectural description, um, the, also the legal description, um, and photographs. Okay, and you would have those materials at your office. So if somebody wanted to do that, they could come and get kind of an outline of what they need to bring because it's, you know, the you know all those kinds of things they have to create or right. we can, generate. Yes, we can help with that process, but ultimately it would be to the person who's submitting the application mm -hmm. to come up okay. with that material. Thank you. So again, this is Marcy Francisco. Um, I was wondering if you could um, talk more about the instances where the HRC can ask the administrator um, or, or delegate authority. Um, 
if they do delegate authority, how is that codified? Um, does it happen at one meeting? Is that a list that the HRC reviews, um, you know, annually? Um, the chapter doesn't prescribe whether or not they would have to do that annually. Um, the thought is that they would have a list of projects that staff could review at the administrative level and that it would be um, not something that's codified, but something that they could change as um, situations arise. If they're seeing a lot of projects come through that they think could be an administrative level by staff, then they can add to that list without having to amend um, the code. So it would be a list that they adopt by resolution for the Historic Resources Commission. Okay, I just was wanting to clarify because there should be some record um, of that list or um, way for the public um, to um, view it. Yes. Thank you. And that list would also be included on our website um, as far as what projects can be approved administratively. Thank you. Anybody want to this is Avery Kerner, planning staff. Is anybody in attendance via Zoom? Uh, does anyone in attendance via Zoom have any comments, questions? Just, just to thank you for your presentation. Thank you, I appreciate that. Seemed a little scattered, but I'm not a morning person. So <laughs> the 7.30 meeting was always a challenge for me, but hopefully um, you got some good information. And if you have any questions, you can always email me um, with questions, or if you think of something that the code should address that I didn't go over and you think should be a part of this code rewrite, please don't hesitate to give me a phone call or email me with that information. We wanna get as much information from the public as we can um, as to what's best for the city as we move forward. There will also be two more opportunities today if you think of anything as soon as you leave. Um, so one more uh, or once at noon and then again at 6 p.m. tonight. And so there will be the, the Zoom option or you can come in person. Uh, John, if you can talk. One more comment may not be necessary, uh, but I wondered if the commission itself has reviewed these changes. <laughs> yes, they have actually um, had a couple of, at their public meetings, we've gone over some of the changes. They also held a study session this last month to go over the changes. Um, it's on their agenda for this January meeting. They'll be looking at the public comment that we've received to see if there are other changes that need to be made to the document. And then they'll direct staff with the changes they see necessary for the document. And then that will come back to them in February um, for consideration. Thank you for that. Okay, well, if there are not any more questions, then like I said, I'm happy um, to answer any questions you may have, or if you have other public comment, 
um, please feel free to send that my way. Thank you for coming. Thank you for um, coming as well.